Have you ever had any questions about the Bible that you just couldn't get a solid answer for? Perhaps someone gave you answers, but they were confusing or not biblical. You tuned in at the right time and place to find real answers from God's Word, the Bible. You can call us right now with your questions at 472-1111 or in the CNMI at 323-1113. Be sure to turn your radio down when you call. Live from Guam, join us now for Straight from the Bible with Pastor Louis Moffness. Hello and good afternoon. Welcome to another time of Straight from the Bible. This is a live Bible question and answer program, and you are welcome to take part not only by listening, but also by calling in your Bible question. I would like to invite everyone listening to please join us for prayer. Our gracious Lord in heaven, we are so glad that we can have a Bible study today. We are so thankful that you give us your word that leads us into truth as you have promised the truth as it is in Jesus. And we ask that as we open its pages that you be with us here at the studios of Joy FM and also with our listening friends. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, my name is Pastor Louis Moffinus, and I'm very glad to be here with you. And with me is my wonderful wife, Jessica Moffinus. Hello, Jessica. So good to see you and have you here with us on the program. Hello, Pastor Moffinus. You're wonderful as well. <laughs> well, thank you. And our wonderful listening friends are, are tuned in, and we are so glad that you are uh, here um, listening to our program. But please, we invite you uh, to take part in the program today. And if you have any Bible questions, you may call those in or email them in or contact our our studios here and our operators are standing by to take your questions. And so take advantage of the of the hour that we have uh, together. And Jessica, if they want to call in those questions or email or any other way, uh, could you please tell them how they can do that? All right. If you are calling from the island of Guam, that number to dial is 472-1111, 472-1111. If you're calling from Saipan, Tinian, or Rota, that number is 323-1113. 323-1113. If you'd like to text or WhatsApp your question, that's 686-9999, 671-686-9999. Our computers are open right now. If you'd prefer to email your Bible question, you're welcome to do so. That's Bible at joyfmradio.net, B-I-B-L-E at joyfmradio.net. We are also live on Facebook right now if you want to check us out. That's facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. And if you would like to contact us, uh, you may do so. But if you are listening to this program at any other time besides Monday from 5 to 6 p.m., then you're listening to a rebroadcast. And you can still contact Joy FM, but of course your live answer will come the following program, presumably the next Monday. If you go to the Facebook, you can uh, go to the live stream as you go to our Facebook uh, page, and you will see the comment section there. You can leave your comment there. We'll see it right right away, and we'll bring you a Bible answer as, as uh, much as we can. And so go ahead and take advantage of the time that we have together and call, and we'll be looking forward to hearing from you. All right. Well, Jessica, while our wonderful friends are picking up their phones and dialing, why don't we take a look at some of the questions that have come to us through email? All right. One of the questions that did come in through email says this, If the dead do not go directly to heaven... Why did Moses and Elijah in Matthew 17 appear to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? Now, that is a very, very good question, and that is recorded in Matthew 17. And I think it's a good idea if we turn there. And if we go to the book of Matthew, chapter 17, could you please read that account, Jessica, of how, the, um, of how uh, Moses and Elijah appeared to Jesus on that mountain? Right. That's, uh, that's uh, chapter 17, and it should, I think we I can, can read, read verse 1. 1, yes. And so on. All right, 17 verse 1. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Then Peter, uh, then Peter, sorry. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, "Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles: 
one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So we see Moses and Elijah here um, in the story. Jesus was on the mountain and he was transfigured. That means his figure changed into a glorious, uh, his glory shone through uh, with his humanity. Peter, James, and John were the only witnesses to this. And they witnessed Moses and Elijah there. And um, there are a lot of things I would like to ask um, the resurrected saints when we get to heaven. Um, you know, how, I would love to ask Peter, James, and John, how did you know it was Elijah? How did you know it was mm. Moses? Um, perhaps Jesus greeted them by name. I'm not sure. But uh, it, it, is, it is an amazing thing to see Moses and Elijah there with Jesus. Okay, now let's take this um, a couple of things. The question is asking, if the dead go, do not go directly to heaven, why is this happening? Because here on this program, we have um, shared the Bible truth that when the dead, uh, when, when, when a person dies, they uh, do not rise until Jesus Christ comes. And we see this, we've read it so many times in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, that it is the Lord himself who will resurrect the saints at his coming. And, and uh, not only resurrect, but translate those who are still alive when Jesus comes. And both the resurrected and the translated saints, they meet the Lord in the air, and then they go to um, Jesus' uh, kingdom. Right. Uh, he says that in the book of uh, Matthew. I'm sorry, John 14. And so we see that uh, Jesus Christ is with two, group, two people here. One of them never died. Right. Okay, so the question says, if the dead do not go directly to heaven, well, Elijah never died. If we go to the book of 2 Kings chapter 2, in the book of 2 Kings chapter 2, and if we take a look at verse... 11, yeah, verse 11 is, uh, should, should be enough. Okay, and uh, Jessica, would you like to help us out in reading that? Then it happened, as they continued on and talked, then suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And then Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Okay, so here is not the record of Elijah's death. Instead, he, it, it's clear he went to heaven without death, without right. dying. Right. And so this is what we would call translated. And he was not the first person that this happened to. In the book of Genesis, um, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Enoch was translated without seeing death. And so we, um, Enoch and Elijah, the uh, very, very uh, special group of people, uh, and um, a special group of people that go to heaven without dying. Right. And that is going to happen to God's people who are still alive when Jesus comes. They're not going to die. Um, that's clear in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, where it says, Then we which remain and are alive shall be caught up together with them, and we shall uh, caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall ever be with the Lord. So Elijah... Enoch and God's last day people at Jesus' second coming, the living, they will experience translation. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, uh, for this mortal shall put on immortality and this, uh, this, um, this uh, corrupt shall put on incorruption. And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump and the, the dead in Christ shall rise. And so when those who are translated will simply put on their glorious bodies when Jesus Christ comes. Okay, so that takes care of Elijah. He never died, and he just simply went to heaven by a God's special arrangement, a, right. trans, a translation. Um, but now let's talk about Moses. Now Moses did die. Right. And uh, we understand from the book of Deuteronomy that he climbed Mount Pisgah, and there... Uh, it says that uh, no one could find his grave, for God was the one who buried him. Nobody knows where Moses' grave is, even until today. But if we go to the book of Jude, we see something very, very interesting. Something that happened um, when when Moses did die. Okay, now I want you to, I want, uh, there's something in this verse that is very, very important. And so let's read Jude verse 9. There's only one chapter in Jude, so let's read verse 9. 
It says, Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. So we see that here, um, the, the person of Michael, Michael, the one who is like God, the archangel, or the one who rules over the angels, he is contending with the body of Moses. Now that's very interesting. If, um, if you take a look at the Old Testament, Michael is usually mentioned in connection with the resurrection. Mm. In the book of Daniel chapter 12, it says, um, at that time, Michael shall stand up and there shall be a time of trouble. And then those that sleep in the dust shall awake. That's uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse one. And so Michael, uh, we believe, is the pre-incarnate or the, the angelic name for the son of God. God, the son, Jesus Christ. Right. And so that doesn't make him an angel, but it does make him the ruler of the angels. The, the name Michael, Michael, means the one who is like God. There is only one ruler of the angels who is like God instead of the, uh, besides the father, and that would be Jesus Christ. So Jesus is this person of Michael, and he is contending with the body of Moses. Now, why would, the, why would there be a contention over Moses' body? And I believe that Matthew 17 answers that. It's because Michael was there, just like in Daniel chapter 12, he's there to resurrect Moses. Mm. And so Moses did get a special resurrection there. And once more, the vast majority of people who have died in Christ are, getting, are going to get their resurrection at Jesus Christ's second coming. Right. But there were some few exceptions. Moses is one of them. Uh, the Bible also says in the book of Matthew chapter 28 that there were many people who came out of their graves when Jesus was resurrected. And uh, we, we understand that they're in heaven also. So it's, it's evident that there are uh, um, biblical-specific um, people who got a resurrection before the general resurrection of, of uh, Jesus' second coming. Moses and uh, those, who, those who were resurrected at Jesus' resurrection. Mm. And so that is how we can answer that question. The scriptures shows that there are people who were especially translated or especially resurrected um, before the second coming. But one thing I wanted to to uh, to um, to uh, point out is that Moses wasn't in heaven when this happened because it says that his body was still here. Right. And when people who are resurrected, their body goes to heaven also. Right. And so Moses was not in heaven. He did not go to heaven when he died. And so that's why this verse is very, very interesting in verse 9 of Jude, mm-hmm. because it shows that Moses was, in fact, when he died, not in heaven, and he was resting in the grave until he was resurrected. Right. And so he's there right now. Praise God. Okay. Now, was there anything you wanted to add to that? No, I, 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 would, <clears throat> no, I was just uh, thinking oh, at, when you first started addressing the question and you were saying, mm-hmm. you know, uh, who knows how— Peter uh, knew that that was Peter, James, John knew that was uh, Moses and Elijah. Right. And I I was just looking at verse three of Matthew 17, how it says, and behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. So they were talking. So they were talking to Jesus. And obviously uh, that's how they knew who Mm. they were talking. They they were talking to Jesus because they were there. They they witnessed everything. Either they introduced themselves or maybe Jesus is the one who addressed them. Somehow their names were mentioned. Yeah, somehow they knew. That must have been exciting. And because (laughs) they also knew the scriptures, they knew Mm. that Elijah did not taste death as well. So seeing Elijah before them, I can imagine how how much in awe they were like, wow, Elijah, you know, he he never tastes death and he went to heaven. There he is. And then, (laughs) You're the famous Moses that everyone knew about. Right. All the all the Isra- Israelites knew who Moses was, and here he is standing before them. Yes. I can imagine how, how awesome that was for them as well. Well, we saw how they responded. They said, let's build three tabernacles. Right. They're so and, excited. Uh, <laughs> okay, so that's how, we can, uh, that's how we can answer that question. I believe the Bible is very clear that there were special translations and special resurrections that was given to special people before the general resurrection and translation of Jesus Christ's second coming. Okay. Right. So thank you very, very much for that question. 
And uh, I'm not sure if we knew who sent the question, but um, whoever you are, if you're listening, you know who you are. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, go ahead and pick up your phone and dial those numbers that Jessica gave you. Call our station. Our operators are standing by. Our lines are open. Please take advantage of the time that we have. Please call right now, 472-1111, 472-1111. If you are on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com forward slash radio. And go ahead and go to our live stream. You can see uh, what Jessica and I look like. And you can also leave your question in the comment section. So please um, join us in this uh, program. We'll be very, very glad to, um, to have you call in your question. All right. So let's take a look at another email question, Jessica. All right. So here it says, a caller asks, I'm not a believer of infant baptism. But if I'm asked to be a godparent to the child, then what should I do? Is it okay to go and attend the ceremony and accept the responsibility of being a godparent? Now, that's a good question. Okay. Um, At children's baptism, there are some churches who do practice infant baptism. And usually at that, that baptism, I've seen so many of those because I grew up with that belief and that practice of I myself was baptized as, as an infant, and I've seen many infants um, go through that. Now, the person says that you're, she's not a believer of an infant or he or she is not a believer of infant baptism. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, well, that that is the biblical uh, that uh, it is true that infant baptism is not biblical. Right. Um, the Bible says that if a person's going to uh, going to be baptized, they have to believe, they have to repent, and they have to be taught, according to Acts chapter two and according to Matthew chapter twenty eight. And uh, so these things can't be done by an infant. Right. And so we just want to make that clear that and in, uh, baptism happens when the person themselves make a choice. Even Jesus, when uh, he was baptized, when he was thirty, when he uh, decided it was time to be baptized. Right. Okay, uh, but because in in the culture that we're living in, some other churches and maybe our, even our relatives still believe in it, and they ask <clears throat> they ask uh, a person uh, according to this question, this person is is being asked uh, to be a godparent to the child that is being baptized by infant baptism. Well. There's a, there's a few ways you can look at this. Uh, first of all, I know for a fact that being a godparent means you have to believe in infant baptism. Mm. Um, usually, you have to be part of the same church uh, that the church, that the infant's being baptized into. Right. Um, in other words, uh, if you put yourself as a godparent, um, usually the priest or or minister would not approve of you being a godparent if you're not part of that church in the mm. first place mm. or if you don't even believe in infant baptism. And so I don't believe that you're even qualified. Right. <laughs> I don't believe you're even qualified to be a godparent. Um, you could you could make that clear to the person who's asking you. And you could say, you know, I don't believe in infant baptism. I can be there for this person. I can be a spiritual guardian. I can... I can provide. I can. Uh, I can teach this uh, child as this person's growing up. You know the ways of the Lord, the ways of those scriptures, the, what the Word of God says, and I can do all those things that a godparent uh, always does. But uh, I think you understand. I think you have to understand. I don't. Uh, I don't believe that that this infant is ready for baptism. Um, and hopefully one day they will be. <laughs> right. Now, right. in other words, I want you you want to be supportive and you want to show that uh, you want to be there for them. But I think your position should be made clear and the reason why you believe what you believe. Uh, Jessica, so, you were going to okay, say something? So I have a question now uh, to to go with this question. Okay. So, like, let's say that I'm in this, this caller's position mm-hmm. and I love this child and I love their parents but we're not of the same religion and they had asked me to be their godparent Mm. now is it okay if I talk to the parents and say okay uh, you know we're kind of on different pages here Mm. but we all agree that uh, I do want to help you raise the child Christ like to be Christ like God's way Mm -hmm. so if could is it possible for me to talk to the parents and 
I'm not sure what the pastor will say hmm. if I personally dedicated that child in my church, or does oh. that child have to be? Because I mean, if the parents say, "Oh yeah, we can," you can dedicate my child hmm. and say, "I want to bless this child as much," you know, and get a blessing. I suppose that is another option. I don't option. know if that's that's even biblical. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, not. I know it is biblical to dedicate <laughs> a child, but what I'm trying to say is. We're of difference. Yes. Um, yeah, that's the thing is that um, child dedication and, uh, in, other words, in other words, bringing, bringing, their, bringing a, a child or a baby to Jesus the way those mothers did mm-hmm. is a very, very good option. And that is not child baptism. Right. That is not the decision of the child. That's the decision of the parents. Right. And it is biblical because the mothers did that with Jesus. They brought their children to Jesus and he laid his hands on them and blessed them. Mm -hmm. And that can happen in church as well. You know, we can, uh, I myself have practiced, I've performed many um, child dedications, having prayer and uh, asking God's blessing upon this child. And that is a very, very uh, good option. Instead of baptism, why don't we have this dedicated? Now, you're raising the question, but what if what if it's from a different faith, you yeah. know, doing this? Not a problem. Okay. Uh, Jesus himself said, suffer the, the little children to come unto me and right. do not forbid them. Right. And so there should be no hindrance between, um, between the child and Jesus if the mothers or the fathers want to bring their child to Christ and have God's blessing upon them. Um, but baptism should be a personal decision from that child when right. that child becomes of age. Okay, then I guess I would suggest to the listeners mm. to talk to the parents and see if the parents would like to dedicate. Sure. Because that's definitely biblical mm-hmm. uh, to dedicate that child to, because even Jesus was dedicated. That's true. He uh, was dedicated as an infant. He mm-hmm. was dedicated, lifted up to the Lord, say, Lord, please bless this child. I want to raise this child to be, you know, for you, like mm-hmm. you, and everything. Uh, so here's a second question. I'm going off okay, the question Okay, no, now. that's right. We, might, we, we can so milk like, this for all this. Let's say the, the the friend does talk to the parents to be the godparent. Sure. But the parents are not comfortable because of a different faith. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to have, like, let's say a pastor bless that child in their home? Or does it have to be in a synagogue, in other words? A synagogue or a church or right, whatever, right? Right. Okay, that's a good question, too. Now, when Jesus uh, was um, blessing those children... Um, it was not in a synagogue or temple. It was, well, it was wherever it was they the were. Field, right? Who knows where it was. Right. It's not specified. But, right. um, of course, having it in church is a nice thing, but I don't think there's a limit to where where that child can be. I mean, it can happen in a hospital. Right. You know, it can right. happen um, wherever uh, because there is, again, there is no limit. There is no um, barrier that should be between um, the child and, and the Lord. Not not situation, not place, not time, not um, the, the the faith of the parents, whatever. It really, really matters. It, it, all that matters is that the child is brought to Christ. I guess it would make it more special to sure. bring it to bring the child to God's the, house, mm-hmm. and and especially blessed on the Sabbath, the holy <laughs> day, right? Let's make this as in, in, as much as in God's presence as we right. possibly can. Okay. Okay. So we certainly hope that helped uh, your your uh, question about being a godparent. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I'm not sure if the person asking this question is is qualified because uh, you yourself don't believe in infant baptism. That that pretty much disqualifies you from being a godparent. Okay, so as you can hear from the music, uh, we have come to our halfway point. We are not finished. We'll simply be taking a break, and we'll be right back after this. The time for talking has just begun. Be intentional about who you talk to. We call it prayer. You need it now, and God's listening. There's change coming, and it's arriving within you. When the time comes, share what you're learning because you're talking. God's listening. Pay attention to what you're learning. When you find yourself believing God is all you have, remember you've never needed anything else. It's your time. Pray. Discover hope. Joy FM. Welcome back to the second half of Straight from the Bible. 
You can call us right now with your questions at 472-1111 or in the CNMI at 323-1113. You can email your questions anytime to Bible at joyfmradio.net. Submit your questions online to joyfmradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us now for Straight from the Bible. Hello and welcome back to the second half of Straight from the Bible. Pastor Moftis and myself, Jessica, are live in the studios of Joy FM. If you are calling from the island of Guam, we'd love to hear from you. That's 472-1111. If you are calling from CNMI, we'd love to hear from you just as much. That's 323-1113. If you want to WhatsApp your question, you're welcome to do so. 686-9999. If you want to email your question, you're welcome to do so as well. That's Bible at joyfmradio.net. And we are also live on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. All right. Well, Jessica, it looks like we have a caller who's patiently waiting. And so why don't we go ahead and talk to our, our, our waiting caller. Hello, is this Roji? Yes, ma'am. Hello. Is it Roji or um, I hope we're pronouncing your name right? Uh, yeah, it's Roji, R-O-G-I. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you very much for your call. Do you have a question for us today? Yes, um, I would like to ask if prayer should be long or it can, could it be short, like how you were praying? That is a very good question. Um, prayers, should they be long or should they be short? Now, if I talk to my wife... How long should I talk to her? Should I give her a long conversation or should I give her or can I talk to her even in short conversations? Um, you know, <laughs> uh, talking to God, um, prayer and talking to God is not something that should be, how can I say, um, formulized. It should not. It, it's just like talking to a friend. Right. And when you're talking to a friend, it can either be long or it can be very to the point and short. Um, the apostle, P- uh, well, the disciple Peter, when he was walking on water, uh, walking towards mm-hmm. Jesus, yeah. he, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Three words of prayer, and Jesus was there to answer his prayer, Lord, save me. And so, obviously, prayer does not have to be incredibly long. Um, I would like to, I would, especially for those who are praying um, public prayers like in church, I would encourage them not to make their prayers too long. You can, you can, uh, you can make some babies cry in church if the prayers are too long. <laughs> but, um, I, but again, when you are in, when you sense your need, when you sense uh, your need for God to be really, really close to you, you really want to draw near to him. You really want to pour out your heart. I, I wouldn't put a time on it either. Uh, God is not burdened by your prayers. He doesn't say, wow, you've been praying for an hour. This is too long for me. Uh, absolutely not. Jesus, it, um, in several times, or a couple of times in the, in, the, in the Gospels, it says that he spent the whole night in prayer. And so I don't believe that a prayer can ever be too long either. Um, it's, it's, you know, God... God, he has all the time and he has all the patience. And even if your prayer is short, uh, it's not really what you say that matters. It's the heart that the, the heart, the, the, how can I say the cry of the heart that he actually hears. He hears the, uh, the need of your heart. He hears, uh, what's going, he hears your faith coming from your, your, uh, your inner spiritual being. He um, we can't impress God with eloquence, you know, uh, with uh, uh, fancy words and things like that or long prayers. As a matter of fact, Jesus actually rebuked the Pharisees and the scribes where he says they make long prayers in the marketplace thinking that they, you know, look righteous that way. He also uh, made a comment about Gentiles who, who uh, repeat their prayers over and over again. And he said, you know, when you pray, to simply go to your closet and speak to your father in secret, and he will hear you in secret. And so I wouldn't put a formula on prayer, nor would I put a time on it. 
I simply, I would simply counsel a person, speak to God as a friend and take all the time that you actually need. Does that uh, help at all, Roji? Yes, Pastor, that's amazing. <laughs> thank you so much. You're very welcome, Roji, and thank you very much for calling. Thank you very much for your, your question. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye. God bless you too, Roji. Bye. Uh, Jessica, I didn't give you a, a chance to comment on that. Was there anything you would like to contribute to that uh, that whole aspect of prayer, long, short? Yeah, no, I was just turning to Matthew 6, what, what you were quoting, mm-hmm. and how Jesus said to, when you go into your secret place, pray to your Father. And um, what the thing here's the thing about prayer. We shouldn't stop praying. No, never. Continuous. <laughs> we should pray as much as we breathe. That is because true. Because we need to keep our communication with God open all mm, the time. Right. And yes, we do have our personal prayer, like the way Jesus did in when he went off on a secluded place and into his secret place and spent time one-on-one with God. Right. But our heart should always continuously be open in prayer to God about everything. That's true. But um, as far as public prayers, that one should be to the point. To the point, succinct. Yeah. I Still like heartfelt. what you said. It yeah. shouldn't be eloquent. We don't need to be eloquent. God yeah. knows the cries of everyone's heart. Mm. We don't even need to beat around the bush with God with anything. He knows what we need even before we ask. And right, for for the sake of repetition as well and everyone else listening, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get to the point, especially when it does come to public prayers. Yes. Oh. And, you know, I, I just remembered a, a verse in the book of Romans, I believe it's chapter 8, where it says that the Holy Spirit, he intercedes for us with groanings that can't be uttered. Mm. In other right. words, when you don't even have the words. Right. You know, I can't even say the words. Sometimes we just follow it to our knees and our hearts are just crying out to God. We don't, we can't even murmur because we're just so broken. Well, you know what? God hears that prayer too and he'll answer it perfectly. You know, that's what I love about God. Mm. He, he he understands our cries, yes. even if we don't say a thing. <laughs> That's we so don't have true. to say a thing. Mm. We can just cry, and God totally understands yes. what it is we're asking. And that's Absolutely. what I love about him. I love that a about baby, him, A baby, just like a baby who's crying, they're like, Wah! you know, they're just crying. Yeah. And God, somehow somehow a mother can can tell what's going on. If a mother can understand, imagine God. <laughs> imagine she God. totally understands, translated if anything, <laughs> he knows every tear. He knows right. every uh, emotion. He knows every thought. There's nothing really, and prayer is not really informing God of anything. No, and it's, it's basi- not to impress either. It's not to impress. Prayer is really just the expression of your own your own soul, right. uh, be it faith, be it sorrow, be it uh, joy, whatever it is. It's it's really just out of the mouth, out of the mouth, your faith is uh, being uh, manifested. But God knew what you were going to ask even before you asked it. So right. it's not it's not anything like what many people try to make prayer into, you know, something impressive, something more of, of a performance. And, uh, you know, I, I pray long, you know, and it's almost like a boastful thing. And there's nothing wrong with praying long, but that's not what makes the prayer uh, an accepted prayer uh, before God. That's what I like about Matthew 6, how Jesus actually described talked about prayer mm. the model prayer even the prayer the 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 prayer to god the father that he gave in matthew 6 yes. it was to the point that's very true forgive us father you know mm. our father in heaven all that trespassing lead us from temptation all that it, to the point as well but definitely we want to encourage listeners to spend time in the secret place with god that's the time when you can say anything and everything Pour out your heart to God and, you yes. know, anything and everything that's bothering you, mm. praises, lay, lay it all on the table. Absolutely. And God loves that. Well, thank you very much again, Roji, for your question. And so we hope that uh, the rest of you who are listening, that uh, you also will call in your Bible question. And that's 472-1111 if you're calling from Guam. 472-1111. Saipan, Tinian, and Rhoda may dial 323-1113. 323-1113. And you can go to facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio, and you can put your uh, questions on the comment section of our live stream, and we'll be so glad to take your question there, too. Okay, so Jessica, do we have another email question? So we do have an email question that came in um, from someone named Joe. Okay. 
says, I have some follow-up comments to my question about being a good person. I remember that question. Okay. Perhaps I didn't word it how I wanted to. I don't flatter myself that I'm a good person or try to fool or deceive myself that I'm doing something good when I'm not. I'm more referring to basic human nature. When I see someone that needs help and I'm in a position to help, I'll help, even at a detriment to myself. I believe most people's base instinct is to help rather than hurt. I believe this is true for the majority of people. God is good, no matter what form it takes. We can clearly see good because of the result. Jesus isn't in the picture, yet I'm supposed to say that all these good things are useless because the people doing them aren't Christians? I believe people can just be inherently good-natured without ever coming into contact with Christianity. Some people are just good people. These are just my thoughts. Thanks for taking my question. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Joe, for the follow-up question. Okay. Um, I, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. what, how I answered that uh, last time <clears throat> excuse me, um, was that I said that, no, there is no goodness apart from God or no goodness apart from Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That is biblical. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Right. And that we can flatter ourselves that we're good. Mm-hmm. We can believe that we're good um, when, and that's easy to do when God is not in the picture. Because, again, it's like measuring ourselves by our own righteousness. Right. Um, kind of like a, uh, a little four-year-old measuring himself. And he says, hey, look, I'm six foot, <laughs> mm. I'm six foot tall. Uh, when we can, if we measure ourselves, then every any, anybody can be good. But when we measure ourselves with God, then a a, a truer picture is is brought. Right. Okay. Now on this follow up question, that's how that's how I answered it before, and I hope I didn't uh, get across the the thought that I think that you are trying to deceive yourself. Um, no, I do. I, I, I'm not accusing anybody of trying to deceive themselves. What I am trying to say is something that is brought out in the scriptures in Jeremiah 17:9. Let's go there, uh, Jeremiah 17:9, and uh, allow me to read this. Okay. It says, "The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it?" So the Joe who sent in this uh, question um, is says that he's talking about basic human nature. Mm. Uh, once more, um, we people can say that we're good, but what does the Bible say about us? Right. It says that we our hearts are desperately wicked. wicked. If you go to the, uh, Psalm fifty-one, um, King David says that. Um, in, in iniquity. Uh, I was shapen in my mother's womb in iniquity. And so we are actually inherently sinners right. um, from the womb. Um, that's the only nature that Adam, the fallen Adam who sinned against God, that's the only nature he could pass down to our children. Now, I would like to, I would like to um, rejoice with Joe that he sees people doing good. I'm very glad for that. Uh, he, he says that he does good. I'm very glad for that as well. I would encourage you to continue doing good. But I'm not really talking about people here. Um, the question is about human nature. And if I can um, point out something else that he's saying, I'm not saying that only Christians are good because they are, you know, they're the ones who believe in, uh, who, who are going to church and they're part of Christianity. And I'm not saying that the people outside of Christianity don't have God. Mm. Now, they may not know God. They may not recognize him, but that doesn't mean that God isn't working with them right. and doing good through them. Right. The, the scriptures is, is full of, of examples, uh, full of examples of how, um, of how people who were outside of Israel, who were outside of Israel, in fact, um, did good things prompted by God, being led by God. And so, um, so I'm not saying that only Christians are good or only people who are part of Christianity are doing good. As a matter of fact, Jesus, he told a parable in, uh, I believe it's Matthew chapter, um, no, it's, uh, yeah, Matthew chapter 25. 
He says there are many people who are represented by the five foolish virgins who who come and he says, you know, I don't know you, even though they were uh, they were going to church and things like that. In Matthew chapter 7, there are, men, there are people who say, Lord, Lord, didn't we work wonders in your name, cast out devils in your name? And he'll, he'll reply to them, I never knew you. Right. And so I'm not saying that a person has to be a part of a particular denomination in order to have Jesus working through them. There are people right now who are, they don't know Christ, they don't know God, but God can still be working in their lives. As a matter of fact, the book of John chapter 1 says that Jesus Christ is the light that lights all the people in the world. Now, that does not make everybody good. That does not mean that their human nature is all good. All I'm saying is that God in his mercy is still working through people who don't even know him yet. Well, here's the thing. If our human nature was good to begin with, we don't need Christ. Very true. We don't need him. But like you brought out in Jeremiah, it says our hearts are desperately wicked. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Um, in James chapter 1, verse 17, Thank it you. says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with mm. whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So if there's any good that comes out of it anybody, came from God. it has to be from God. Mm. Because our hearts are desperately wicked. Yes. And here's the thing. I was also looking at um, John... <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, as you as, as you're going to that verse, one uh-huh. thing also I wanted to point out about Jeremiah 17:9, it says the heart is deceitful above all things. So if your heart is trying to convince you that you're okay and you're good and you don't need Jesus, I would be very I not I would be very very distrustful of my own heart if it's trying to tell me that. Right. You don't need Jesus to be good, you're already good. The heart even though you don't realize it is very very deceitful Mm. and um if we are if we're convinced that there is any good apart from jesus christ then like you said we're we're believing the lie that nobody really needs jesus then because we're all inherently good right we can save ourselves when the opposite is true we are all lost and we all need jesus to be good and to be saved from a wicked heart basically you were going to read something from john uh in in the book of john let me see what book is. Uh, chapter 16. It talks about the Holy Spirit in verse mm. 7. And in verse 8, it says, When he comes, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So everyone, uh, everyone is being worked on by the Holy Spirit. Right. And it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us to do good, if anything. It's God the Father, Jesus Christ, that sends the Holy Spirit to have us to even do good. Um, and the thing is, if God took the Holy Spirit away from every human person on this earth, guess what's going to happen? We we would all just follow our wicked hearts. We'll all just follow our wicked hearts. We'd be killing each other. And the goodness that we thought we had will be zero. It will be gone. Right. Because of what Jeremiah said, we are definitely desperately wicked uh, by nature. And that's why Jesus Christ came to this earth so that he can change our hearts and give us a heart of a soft heart where he can write his law on our hearts right. and take out that stony heart that is filled with nothing but wickedness. Right. Uh, he wants to change us to be good, to, to be like him, to reflect him, to bring us back to Eden when we were created in the image of God, not just physically, but even characteri- uh, characteristically. Right. To be like him. And that's why when Adam fell, Jesus Christ had to step in and change everything and be sacrificed for us. There's a verse also that talks about what he, uh, what our questioner Joe was um, mm-hmm. alluding to, is that there are a lot of people who, again, they don't name the name of Christ. They don't believe in Jesus Christ as of yet. Right. Um, but they're still... They still want to do good. Right. They still try to because try of the their Holy best. Spirit. Well, there's let's look at this verse in Romans two okay. fourteen. Yeah. Romans chapter two and reading verse fourteen. <clears throat> and would you care to read that for us uh, as soon as you get there? Romans chapter two and reading verse fourteen. All right, it says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these although not having the law are a law to themselves. In other words, there are a lot of cultures and people who stay away from murdering, stay away from stealing, mm-hmm. staying away from uh, committing adultery, 
Right. They stay away from uh, a lot of things that are bad, and they try to do good. Not having the law. In other words, they don't have the Bible. They don't have the Ten Commandments. They never heard of it. Right. Um, and, and yet they all still are trying to follow what they know to be right and wrong. Right. Where is that coming from? <laughs> That's not coming from themselves. It's not co- because they are inherently good. Right. It's simply God working in their hearts through his mercy, hoping that one day they will turn to him. Right. But he is the one putting in their, in their hearts and minds to do good. They're a law unto themselves. In other words, God is helping them. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't give the human heart any credit for the good that we do. Right. I would give God and Jesus Christ all the credit, even though they may be working behind the scenes. Right. Uh, un, um, in secret, unknown, but it's still there. Right. And so I would give God all the credit and Jesus all the credit for the good that even people who don't believe in Jesus do. Right. And uh, and, and all yeah. the goodness that we want to claim for ourselves are mm. still filthy rags. If We read that of, last time, yes. If the blood of Jesus is not covering it. Right. Okay, well, thank you very, very much, Joe, for that follow-up question, and we certainly hope that uh, we clarified what we were trying to say as well. Uh, We are definitely not saying that people who don't know Jesus um, uh, aren't trying to do good or trying to be good. I'm actually glad that there are people who are. uh, But I am going to say that apart from Jesus Christ, nobody, Christian or not Christian, nobody has anything. It's everything that that we do that is good has to come from that one source, and that is Jesus. Right. Thank you so much for that question. So we do have another question coming up. Let's okay. see if we have enough time to answer this one, Pastor Moffness. In Genesis 3.15, who is the woman? Is she Mary? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, let's go there, and uh, let's read the verse that is being spoken of. Okay, so Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 reads, And I will put enmity... Between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Good question. Okay, so somebody's asking, is this Mary? Now, of course, when Genesis 3.15 was talking about, um, was saying this, Mary, of course, wasn't born yet. (laughs) And uh, she was generations and centuries away. So who was this referring to? Well, it was the only woman existing. (laughs) It was Eve. Right. And that seed of the woman, the seed, of course, we're talking, this is a messianic prophecy, the very first messianic prophecy. The Messiah would come from, you know, from the woman. Eve was going to give birth to children, and from the children would come the Messiah. In other words, God was promising that what the enemy had done, he was going to send a savior to save Adam and Eve and their children. Right. And so, no, this is not Mary. And I know the, I know the, the why there's even a question about this is because I grew up seeing statues of Mary with a serpent under her feet with an apple in its mouth. Mm. <laughs> and so there are a lot of people who, who say, where's that from? And they think that this verse is all about Mary, but it isn't. It's talking about Eve and it's talking about the Messiah that would come from her um, descendants. Okay. And so that's the quickest way I can answer it. Did you have anything to say no, about no, that? No, no. To yeah. the point, I yeah. like it. Love it. Thank you, Pastor <laughs> yeah. Moffness. You uh, answered that question. Praise God. Praise God. The All Bible right. answered the question, really. <laughs> okay. So this is still pertaining to Mary. The okay. next question. Sure, sure. We still have time to get this one. What happened to Jesus' mother after he died and resurrected? And is Mary in heaven? Good question. Now, what happened to Mary um, when Jesus died and went to heaven? Right. Now, the the wonderful thing that we I, I love about um, about the story that, of Jesus on the cross is that in the book of John, he saw Jesus on the cross saw his mother, right. and he called the disciple John, the one that he loved, who was there, and he said to his mother. Woman, behold thy son, referring to John. And he said to John, behold your mother. And what Jesus was doing was that he was caring for his, he was uh, making provision for his mother mother to be cared for after his, um, after his, after he died and went to heaven. John was going to be um, Mary's, you might say, adoptive son. And uh, John would care for Mary. I think that is one of the most wonderful things that 
Jesus on the cross still had a thought for his mother and, you know, his thought was all for her. Uh, Jessica, did you want to read that verse? Oh, yeah, sure. It says, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loves standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Okay, so John was taking care of Mary after Jesus' death and resurrection. And many people ask what happened after that with John, if we go, um, uh, with Mary. If uh-huh. we go to the book of John, uh, Acts, sorry, sorry about that. Okay. It says um, in Acts chapter? chapter 1, verse 14, and let me see if uh, we should read verse 13 as well. Uh, yes, I. Th- you know what? Let me read these verses okay. because they are rather lengthy. Thank you, Jessica. It says, and when they were come in, they went up into an upper room. This is verse 13 of Acts 1. Where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. And then verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And it was at that meeting that the Holy Spirit fell upon everyone in the room. So Mary, also believing in her son Jesus, she received the Holy Spirit, and she became um, she became a, a person who, who is the, a disciple of her own son. Right. Is she in heaven? The Bible says that when a person dies, they are simply sleeping in the grave. And so we believe that Jesus Christ will resurrect Mary when he returns. Well, as you can hear the music, we are very thankful that you and I, that we all (laughs) um, have been enjoying the Bible together. And so we invite you to tune in again next Monday for another time of Straight from the Bible. This is Pastor Lewis Moffness. Jessica Moffness. Saying good good night and God bless. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Straight from the Bible. If you missed out on your question and would like to have it aired next time, you can also email us anytime to bible at joyfmradio.net. Submit them online at joyfmradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us again next time for another edition of Straight from the Bible. Until then, may God bless you as you study His Holy Word, the Bible.